0: Hey
1: there, welcome to ATL and 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Shenard. I'm here with Tyler Jones. We are three nights from the draft. Tyler, what are you going to be doing on draft night?
0: Um, I'll probably be coming home and listening to a podcast and uh, I'll have the TV on for when the Hawks pick and then I'll change the channel to something else So <laughs> I mean the draft, the draft. Most like, most productions are bloated, and I have better things to do. I'd rather just watch what the Hawks do, hear some quick analysis from people I trust, and then get on with my life.
1: So you could just you just do Twitter draft then and just follow Woj.
0: Yeah, that's basically what I do, and then you know you you hear some snippets from some guys who you like who do a live stream or whatever and you're listening on when the Hawks pick and then you there just you, you know do something else because the draft is all drafts are overly long and pretty boring uh, unless you know really the excitement happens on the transaction like what actually happens Um so that's that's probably what I'll be doing.
1: All right. Well, an exciting week in the NBA, but you sounded like you didn't want to talk too much about things that weren't the Hawks, but uh, maybe start with the Anthony Davis trade before we get into the Hawks stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it was a pretty great trade for both sides. Um, you know, at the end of the day, LeBron only got two to three years of, if that, of, you know, peak all world destroyer level of basketball. And so. You pair him with, you know, another top five guy, Anthony Davis, you kinda have to do it. I mean, that's that when when you sign LeBron James, this is the deal you make. You trade away your future because I mean, you're you're trying to win now. So, you know, on the Lakers side, like they 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 were like, We'll just throw in whatever trade, you know, whatever picks you need because we're gonna get Anthony Davis, then we're gonna sign him to a long term deal. And then for the Pelicans, you know, you pair Zion with, you know, Lonzo. Which, you know, people are talking about it being a great fit. Lonzo's inability to shoot makes me really question that notion. And really, even more so, Lonzo's inability to shoot, really, Lonzo's inability to finish around the rim. Like, he's a bad finisher. He's just not a scorer. Right. And so, all Lonzo's uh, value as a basketball player is on defense and passing. That's also Zion's, you know, beyond just the all world dunks and athleticism. It's, defense and passing Drew holidays is defense passing and a bit of shooting depending on the season. He can get hot and cold and you, you go down the list and this Pelicans team is looking like a team that doesn't have elite shooting, the type of shooting that you want to surround Zion. So the, the fit might be a bit buggy on offense, but on defense they're going to be uh, outstanding. I, I think they, I think just the raw level of talent that the Pelicans have they have a chance to make the playoffs in the West, which I, I don't think I'm I'm saying anything too scandalous here. Isn't really that impressive anymore. I I, I think, I you know I think the East is kind of overtaking overtaking the West in terms of you know the elite talent. But you know AD on the Lakers does help. That said, like you know I, I think the Pelicans got a a very decent chance of making the playoffs, being a bottom. Seven, six, seven, eight seed, uh, especially considering how high I am on I think he's going to be a day one superstar. So I just wish, you know, Alonzo was a better spot up shooter. Wish Ingram was a better spot up shooter. But on the defensive end, they're going to get after it on a night to night basis. And that's going to keep them in pretty much every game they play.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on the defense. But I I don't know. I don't think it's a huge feat to make the playoffs in the West. but I don't know. They're young. They don't really have much offense. They don't have enough shooting. I don't know. <laughs> I I would be antsy yeah, about making that. I mean it's going to be
0: tough, but 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 the thing is, they at least have an identity, and unlike with the with the Anthony Davis teams, they have depth now. Right. Like they have, they just have more good basketball players. Right. Um, the reason why it didn't work in New Orleans is that. The second one of their role play one of their rotation players got hurt, they immediately go in the tank because it was it was just a bunch of guys who didn't belong in the NBA playing for them. And now they have depth, they have a good they have a solid core foundation of basketball players and they might add with that, depending on what they do with the fourth pick in the draft. Uh, and so like you know they're just gonna they're just gonna have more quality bodies on a game to game basis that's gonna carry them forward because their defense is gonna be there every night and you know Lonzo and Drew Holiday's I mean I don't it's probably the best defensive backcourt in the NBA
1: right
0: and so you know with that they can just get some shooting somewhere and they they will have the chance to do so um, depending on on their other moves in this draft or in the draft and in free agency and in, even in trade. So we'll, we'll see. I don't think the Pelicans are done, but, you know, Dion is at least going to a very good basketball team, with a good coach, and a good foundation of talent, even if the talent doesn't actually mesh as well as you would like it to.
1: And do you really like what the Lakers have for next season in terms of – I mean, I guess that the depth will come, presumably. What about a third star –
0: Tough, you know, because it's not like they got. It's just so much unknown because I, we don't even know how much cap space they actually have, right? Um, I get. I guess what it sounds like it's just going to come down to um, if they can get somebody to agree to terms, and maybe the Pelicans will will you know play ball with them. But I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they really need a third star. I think more than anything, they just need bodies. But then, you know, bodies cost money. I, I was like, they like to me, I'm like, they probably need to be all over guys like Brook Lopez. You know, even though, like, yeah, Anthony Davis is a center and Brook Lopez is also a center. To me, Brook Lopez is a very good two-way basketball player who's gettable. Uh, you think he wants really, to go back like, to L.A. after? It I, I seems mean, like, like he, he would was, just like, kind of
1: lean towards Milwaukee. Just,
0: I, don't I mean, Milwaukee can't pay him as much as, no, as they the can't. can. That's right. But and the Lakers that's, can't that's give him difference. that much. But then, but then that's the that's the inherent problem. Like it's gonna cost money to get somebody Brooke Love in his caliber. But like, it's gonna cost money to get Danny Green. Danny Green's gonna cost, you know, 13 plus million a season. Right. Um just based off the regular season that he had. He was one of the best two way two guards in the league last season. Yeah. And you know, a great shooter and a great defender. Like those. And that's those what you want to put next to money. LeBron. He's like, that's exactly. the perfect fit next to LeBron. Yep, and, like, it's – I don't know if they're I'm – not, I'm not sure they're going to be able to afford to get as many bodies as they can. They're going to have to do some bargain hunting, uh, find, like, Trevor Reza, see if he's willing to play ball. I, I still think Trevor Ariza has – he's still – to me, he's still a quality basketball player. Um, you know, the Morris twins, uh, you know, even somebody like Nerlens Noel, even though, like, again, Nerlens doesn't fit, but he is a body – and probably can be had relatively cheaply right. uh, from the Pelicans. So, like, it's just, you know, they, they got to be smart with the amount of the cap that they have, depending on how it goes, and they got to really find just – they need to find the best they can two-way basketball players. Because to me, as long as they can fill out a roster of decent guys, LeBron and AD, that's going to be such a killer on a on a game-to-game play, basis. And then in the playoffs, like – Like, that's just a – LeBron James is a pick-and-roll maestro, and Anthony Davis' ideal role is what the Hawks use John Collins in, but he's bigger than John Collins. So it's like – it's a perfect mesh of talents, And, you know, it's two guys, you know, two top five guys in this league. And, you know, I I don't buy this notion that LeBron can't, you know, turn it up when he needs to on defense. I, I still think he has the smarts and the athleticism to be a very good defender in this league when he wants to be. Um, so really, it's just about them getting, you know, I don't even think they, you know, getting home court advantage. They might not even need home court advantage. As long, like to me, as long as they can get the talents, Like, heck, maybe even try to try to court Channing Fry out of retirement. You know, uh, <laughs> t- I, I'm, I mean, I'm serious. Like Vince Carter. Like, get, do something like that. Get yeah. get guys who can shoot and who who at least play passable defense that's what they need to surround. Ad and LeBron because if they can do that, I think they're going to be the favorites in the West. The West isn't very strong, and we've seen what LeBron James in the playoffs. It's he's just he, he's the best. Like to me, I still think he he he'll be the best basketball player in the world if you get him playing games that matter. Okay.
1: Any thoughts on the finals and or the Warriors? before we get to the Hawks uh
0: I guess my only thought is that I think people are way too quick to say the Warriors are going to be done um even without Clay and KD and no like it's going to be just Steph Draymond Andre Vidala and a bunch of dudes like Steph is still incredible and I think like I wouldn't be like I don't know what the over-under is going to be I'll be comfortable betting the over if it's like something like fifty, uh, under, like if it's like forty-eight wins or some crap like that, like I still think there are a fifty-win basketball teams just with Steph Curry. And I think you know Steph Curry still got one more MVP season left in him. I think this, I really like. I, I find it odd that people are kind of down on Steph on this play on his finals run. I, to me, I thought he played incredible throughout the entirety of the playoffs. He right. showed that you know if he, he if you know if he's still just the only guy, he's still incredible. Um, and so I, I just think he's going to have a magical season. Uh, I, I think he still has has the ability to turn it up and have a magical season like he did on his uh, two MVP years. And so, uh, you know, I wouldn't count the Warriors out just yet of being contenders, but, you know, they, they got work to do. Um, they, they're going to have to – they're really going to have to nail their draft pick. They're going to have to, you know, find somebody off the scrap heat at, at the vet minimum. And, you know, hope for the best. But, you know, when you still got somebody that's great, an all-time great, and Steph Curry's still in his prime, like, I, I would I would be hesitant to say that the Warriors are just going to be done. Because I, I think these playoffs show that they got a lot of heart and they still, they're still super talented.
1: I kind of want them to do kind of what Toronto did with Kawhi this year. I mean, Steph isn't coming off of any injuries the way Kawhi was, but I just want them to manage him. I I know they're going to be good and I agree that I, they could get to 50 wins but they I just don't want them to be tempted to just lean on him so much because they're just they're going to be so thin that
0: Kevin I think I think every like with what happened during these playoffs and really what the, the dichotomy between how the Warriors were just literally dying on the court and Kawhi Leonard who was, you know, still impaired, but you know he was out there still, you know, playing at an all-time great level. Like I, I think you're going to see an era of guys doing what Kawhi did, which is just if my superstar isn't feeling 100, they're just not going to play in the regular season. Because I mean, the playoffs so. kind of showed that that the regular season doesn't matter. Like the the Bucks won 60 games, and you know, Giannis was gas. Uh, and, and they, I thought the the Bucks did a pretty good job of you know managing you know Giannis's workload, but you know it, it didn't help them in the end. In the end, it turned out like the Raptors had the better team, but you know Kawhi sat twenty yard games or so, and you know it it showed out in the playoffs when when they when they needed the effort level Kawhi had it, and um, you know you see guys like you know James Harden had a good you know a good postseason run for him. You know, you you see the Rockets being like, hey, James, you're not playing tonight just because. Like, we we don't need this. Yeah. We're making the playoffs. It's more important that we be ready for the real season. Uh, the regular season is, like, I think we're going to come into the age where the regular season for young teams like the Hawks or like the Kings or like the Mavericks, teams that have something to prove. But proven, NBA, talented, you know, proven contenders, like you, you're just gonna see a lot of guys just taking day games off on the road, or and even at home back to backs, like all of that. Like we're, we're just not gonna see it anymore. Uh, we're just not gonna see um, guys trying to play all 82 anymore, because it's just like it's like what's the, the what's the point? Like you know, yeah. Nobody cares about the MVP. Nobody cares about the regular season MVP anymore. Had one wait, wait, we, have, we still haven't
1: picked the regular season MVP. How marvelous is that? Does, does anybody <laughs> care? Like, I, I don't think
0: anybody cares anymore. Like, Kawhi kind of shut that all down with how he played in the playoffs. And right. so, you know, I think there's going to be a real culture shift. And, you know, it's going to be on Adam Silver and, you know, the decision makers on the NBA to try, to try to rectify that because, I mean, let's just look at this past season. The last 30 games didn't matter. Yeah. Like the the most exciting thing that happened was Trey Young coming into his own. <laughs> Outside of that, like there was nothing to talk about. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and now, I'm glad you brought I'm glad, talking,
0: brought, I'm I'm glad, glad you brought up Harden.
1: Yeah. I think Stephen Harden if if I had to pick two guys who I want that for, I think it would be those two. Mhm. Just because I think the Warriors I think they're just going to be tempted to to try to keep things going when they can't and Harden's done it for so many years now, and it's just they're just bashing their head against a wall, and they just have to find another way to do it because it's it's not the first year it's been like that for him.
0: Yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see what these teams do. You know, we got to we got a free agency to go through to figure out how they supplement each team supplements their roster. I think it's really important that teams just fill out their roster with guys who can play NBA minutes. Uh, and I think we're going to see a lot of that, uh, you know, try to get somebody on the cheap, uh, wait out, wait out the the uh, first part of free agency and then go hunting on, on good value guys.
1: Okay. So uh, ready to talk about the Hawks? They, they have some important decisions to make.
0: They apparently have six important decisions to make now.
1: <laughs> well, they probably don't want to draft six, right? So if you didn't want to draft six players, maybe we should start there because that kind of changes the outlook for what players they should be picking in what spots. But if you didn't want to pick six, what would you try to do in this draft?
0: Um, Either trade for future picks or trade up. I think those are really the only two options, you know, trade for future picks where they trade down and then get like maybe a future, another future second. It'd try to delay, delay what they have to do with those picks or, you know, really to me, it's the three second round picks. I would be trying to use them to trade up, um, with my first round picks. Mm -hmm. And that's how I, that's how I would go with things. Um, if I have somebody that I like in the first round, I, I, that's how I'd, I'd play it. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that's very realistic because a spoiler about the NBA is that teams don't actually like second round draft picks. Uh, no. They don't like drafting them because. And there's a
1: huge they, difference between 31 to 45 and 46 to 60. I mean, 46 to 60 is just a wasteland.
0: Exactly. And there there's not to say there's not good value in in the second round, but. For a Hawks team that already has a bunch of guys, who are trying to develop. Like, it's really going to be tough for them to even have three three guys that are coming up. Uh, you know, three you know with the three first round draft picks, trying to get them all the necessary playing time. Having six uh, rookies, I I think is just not going is not tenable. That, that said, they might draft a couple of some college draft and stash dudes
1: or some College or Park some, Skyhawks.
0: Yeah, who can practice with the so main like, hey, he can practice with the main team but then you know get back down like hey we're, we we want to draft you but we want to sign you to the two way and really really like a lot like I don't want to get too like, a lot of the second round is really going like really with the 40 the two picks in the 40s pick number 35 is good value yeah uh, but the pick in the 40s is going to be a lot of just negotiating with Okay, which prospect is willing to do a two-way? If you're not, then we're probably not going to draft you. Even if we feel like the guy who we're passing on is a better talent, so you know, if if they can't ultimately trade up, but to me, I'd use the three second-round picks to try to trade up into the first round and get somebody else, and have either four first-round draft picks and then do some more trading up or trading down, or you know, that's the that's the. Gene, like Travis, Lane's gonna have his, uh, he's going to be making his uh, his paycheck uh, on Thursday in the draft because he's got a lot of options, a lot of decisions he's going to have to make. And I don't envy the decision making process that he's going to be put in because it's, you know, it's not, it's, it's easy to just say, yeah, we'll just, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll trade you the second round pick. We just want a future second, but you know, that. Those trades only happen so many times in the draft, and you know it's it's just going to be tough. It's just going to be tough for them.
1: What about specific players? Is, maybe start here? Is is it worth trading up from eight to try to get anywhere from four to seven?
0: To me, I'd say no. I think I would. At the do. same time, at the same at the same time, it it depends on what they're giving up. If they're giving up eight and ten, no, that's, no, that's that's right. ridiculous. That's that's, that's too much value. Yep. Eight and seventeen or ten and seventeen, maybe right. you know ten seventeen and the thirty fifth pick. I, I think I I'd do it to trade up. Yep. Um, but you know outside of that, but I don't see why the other team would do that. Why why the you know either because really the, the two teams they'll be trading with is the, uh, the Cavs and the Pelicans. Um, Cause those are, those are the teams that don't need point guards. So right. um, to me, it's, it's going to come down to how much, how much do they want for, for, from the Hawks. And, you know, there, there's, there's certain this, like eight, like in general, just eight and 10 is way too much. Um, especially in this draft where, the talent is pretty leveled out all things considered after the first really to me it's really Zion and then everybody else and so to me like there's really not that much of a talent gap between uh, Cover, Hunter and Reddish who will probably be there at 8 so I just I would just stay at 8-10 and just pick you know the most the best talent available is <laughs>
1: Do you think it'll be reddish? I mean, I, I that seems to be where all signs point to, but what what weird stuff could happen in between to maybe make that not happen?
0: I mean, the only weird thing would be that uh team drafts reddish at you know, either the Cavs or, or the Bulls or, you know, or the Pelicans draft reddish early, then ain't, uh, but, like, here's the thing to me one of reddish hunter culver is going to be there at eight and i would just stay there and just pick whichever I, you know they all three have their strengths and weaknesses right. um culver's probably a good uh, met a good balance with both talent and already being ready to produce uh, hunters the most ready to play has the size the shooting is going to be a good nba basketball player how good it's really what you're what you're deciding when you're drafting them, and then Reddish just flat out has the most upside. But you know, I don't want to rehash his his freshman year. It was a it was a major struggle, but you can at the end of the day you can still see the talent is clearly there for one of the a great two way wing in this league, and he's got the size as well, which is what Cobra doesn't have. So you know, all three have their strengths and weaknesses. All things considered, but to me, I I I would just stay at eight. Pick whichever big wing is available there and, you know, be happy with, with how the draft goes.
1: Does it matter that Hunter's a little bit older?
0: Is I mean, getting... it does. Because he's, he,
1: you does. know, he'll be almost 22 if by the, Hawks, the time the season starts.
0: If the Hawks were picking at five, I'd be really hesitant of drafting Hunter at five. But if he's there at eight, okay. man, who cares? Like, you know, yeah. it's eight. You know, you're not looking for. We're not. Hawks aren't looking for a franchise altering talent. They they just need. They I think more. than They need a solid two way wing. Right. And you know, I think Hunter. I think Hunter has a chance to be really good. Um, you know, I've I've been. I don't know. It's difficult to talk about because I. I would hate to draft him at five. I would absolutely hate it. But at eight, <laughs> um, just a raw, just the pure value of the pick. It's like yeah. yeah, give me Hunter give me Hunter at eight. I know I know he's gonna be a good defender. Um he might not be as good as people think he is, uh just due to the fact that he doesn't get he didn't get blocks and steals in college. But uh, you know, he's he's got the size, the strength, the athleticism, and he's he's a proven shooter for two seasons now. He's been a good shooter. From three point range, and so, you know, it's purely probably gonna be purely catch and shoot with that guy. But when you have somebody like Trey Young, that's really all you need from a wing, and you know he's huge. He's six seven, two twenty plus, seven three wingspan. Like he's just gonna be the type of rock that the Hawks need on, on the perimeter. If he's there at eight, I, I don't, I don't see him being. I, I just don't see him being there at eight because, like to me. Um, Regis is just, just such an unknown, right? He, it can't be stressed how bad he was in college. He was really bad. It's, it's hard, it, but you know, there there are some things that, that go his way. You'd be like, he was hurt. Maybe he was playing through injury. Maybe he was uncomfortable in his role where he really was just a catch and shoot guy. But you know, you could turn around and say, yeah, he, but he was supposed to be a point forward, and he couldn't really dribble. Um, he couldn't get by anybody. Uh, he couldn't finish against any type of contact. Shies away from contact on both ends of the floor. Uh, those are the negatives. And, and it's like, you know, the NBA is going to be a grown man lead for him. But then you, you look at the strengths. It's like just the raw talent, athleticism, quickness. Uh, he has great hands. He gets his. He gets his, he, he's very disruptive when he wants to be as a defender. Um, and the, even though the ball didn't go in as much as you would like, like the jumper looks great. He, he's really good at repositioning himself behind the three-point line, getting himself open off the ball movement. He's really good at that right. already. Um, you know, that's something Kevin Herter actually is not good at. Um, but, you know, Reddish is really good at, you know, just moving off the ball and getting open from the three-point line. Like, he shot a lot of threes, in large part because he got himself open. Like, it, it, you know, he was also the best shooter on the team, and that was probably not great for his development as a, you know, scorer around the rim. But, you know, he was really good at getting himself open. And that, and that does mean something. And so, you know, maybe he, he, he goes to Atlanta with a better shooting environment. He could be more comfortable. He's not being asked to be the only shooter. And he could take easier quality looks for himself. Where he's not, he's not the primary shooter that teams are going to be worried about. It's going to be Herter and Trey Young. So, like, there's a lot of of Reddish, you know, he's he's got some passing skill, and uh, you know, he's young, super talented, and like to me, the Hawks would be pretty, like to me, the it's a great drive for Whoever the Hawks can get at eight, as long as they're one of those three wings, if they can get one of those three guys, like. Everything else is really secondary. Um, it, it it's just it's just really hard to find good talent at the wing, <laughs> um, and so, you know, reddish. Why why he doesn't have the production that you would like at eight? It's just a good value play, and there's just no way Cole was going to be there at eight. Um, that's a guy you may trade up for. It, to me, it's just going to be tough to justify trading up for somebody who, who's the same height and weight, height, weight, wingspan as D'Angelo Russell. Um, right. He doesn't play anything like Russell, but you know they have the same measurements. He's not as big as you want your your small forward to be. He's really more of a two guard. And you know, I heard her like I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from drafting Culver just because the Hawks already have Herder, but I do think. I do think something has to be taken accounted for where it's like, okay, you draft Culver, but you still need a big wing to take on, you know, the Paul Georges, the, the Kawhi Leonard's, the Jimmy Butler's of the world, and, you know, maybe maybe Culver can get there. He he plays a lot bigger than he is. He's super physical on both ends of the floor. Um, he was solid all defense. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a stopper. You know, the jumper is the big question mark with him, but he's you know, he came a long way from his freshman year to a sophomore year to be able to hit shots off the dribble. He's very good finishing around the rim. You know, there's really a lot to like, and he's a great passer. Like, there's a lot to like with Culver. Um And again, like, if there's a qual, like, if, if a team is, like, if it's 10 plus, you know, 17 and 35, maybe you do it to trade up to get him. But, I, ultimately, I, I would just personally just stay pat and just take as many hacks as possible in the first round, because there's 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 going to be somebody talented at ten, there's going to be somebody talented at seventeen that the Hawks can take, and even at thirty five, if yeah. the Hawks want to take four rookies, like I I I think six is too many, but you know three four, um, I think it's perfectly fine uh, for yeah. the team. It's not like it's not like they're gonna be going. Like, either either it's going to be rookies or it's going to be, uh, you know, second contract guys we're going to be filling out the roster with. So I'd rather fill it out with, uh, you know, rookies who, you know, start fresh and clean and coming into the Hawks culture.
1: You mentioned that you thought that one of Culver, Hunter, or Reddish would fall to eight. What's the biggest peril to that? Is Is it the Cavaliers' trading it and then suddenly there's one less team that wants a point guard and all those guys are gone before eight.
0: Um I guess I, I just don't I don't know. I don't I don't see how that happens when the Bulls and the Suns desperately need a point guard and you know I could totally see the whoever is picking that four is probably going to take G- Darius Garland. Okay. Just, I mean, there's just, uh, like, you know, Darius Garland and Kobe White are just too good for point guard uh, deprived teams to not take. And it's just a number. It's just a numbers game from that point. So it's, you know, who the top three guys are going to be. Garland's either Garland and Kobe's going to be that four. If not, either it's going to be Garland and Kobe at five. If not, it's going to be Kobe White Garland. And Hunter, you, you know, at six, and then you know, it's just like just be, like how the lottery shook out, and it really benefited what for the Hawks is that the Bulls and the Suns has to come away with the point guard, whether they draft one or a trade for one. And you know, Kobe White and Darius Garland ended up being you know two pretty good prospects in their own right. And you know, with those teams not really needing a wing, like a big wing, mm-hmm. like there's, those teams you know are going to pick a point guard if one is available. And you also know, and after that, it's just like, it's just game theory from there where you, you kind of just have a rough idea how the draft is going to play out based on, you know, mock drafts, what guys are hearing. Like I, I don't see too too many drastic things happening. Like the only team that I can see the Cavs trading that pick for is to the Hawks. Like, who? Right. No team has like it's the Hawks and the Pelicans are the teams with the draft capital to trade up. Um, this is not a draft to trade. You know, trade your good veteran um, for the fifth pick in the draft. Like that's this 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 draft is too too many unknowns, too many low ceiling guys for. You know, teams like the Wizards to even be doing that. Like they, the Wizards, would be selling Bradley Beal short if they just traded him for the fourth pick in the draft. So I, I just don't see, I don't see that team coming out of nowhere and swooping in and taking one of the three wings that the Hawks really want. Because you know, the Hawks have been linked to all three of the guys we've been talking about. And so, like to me, it's just like to me, it's just going to come down to like one of those guys just based on it's just their there's, there's only that top eight is kind of set in stone. Right. Put it that way, top eight set in stone, and you know, out of the eight, uh, three of those picks are point guards, and one of them and two of them are uh, are RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. So it's what three you got the you know it's three wings and then three remaining picks. So one of them is going to end up in Atlanta. That's just how. Like, to me, I'd be shocked if that that's not how this, tra- this draft goes. But, right. um, I, like, you know, you can just play the, the permutations in your head. I just don't see how that's not going to happen. Well, if you play moment. the
1: permutations, and what if it's Kobe White who's the guy that's there at eight, and Reddish is gone and all the other guys you mentioned are gone? What if out of that top eight that you've been talking about, what if it's Kobe White or Darius Garland? Can they take another point guard and just say, you know what, we'll, no, we'll figure it out as we go along?
0: I mean, if that happens, then <laughs> that'd be so but like, like you, like you're, you're, you're I mean, if you, you look at a, what they needed most last year, they needed a point guard. They need another that's point guard. Like a percentage of of happening. I, I just don't like. I... There's no way the Hawks are taking a point guard in eight, <laughs> eight or ten. So it's not worth. Like it's really okay, not worth that's going fair. over. Sure, that's fine. Moving and on. like. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, Kevin. Like, so you it's, think it's not tra- going to happen. They would trade out of it. Kobe, Kobe White. Like, here's, here's the thing. Kobe White's too good. He's he's going before Cam Reddish. Like, he he's just a better basketball player. Like, why would why would the Bulls not take him, or why would the Suns take? Why would the Suns not take you know Darius Garland over Cam Reddish? Like,
1: you you've tracked the Suns, haven't you? You you know a little bit about their history over the last decade. Yeah, but,
0: you know, it <laughs> doesn't That's make fine. reasonable sense for them to take it. Like, who we, we said it? about reasonable sense? Yeah, but this, I, I don't know. It's like we're arguing over stuff that we kind of know is not going to happen. Ooh, okay. uh, you know, the, in, the insiders, Sam Puccini, Jonathan Jonathan uh Draft Express, uh, Mike Schmitz, like all of them, they kind of have a rough idea how the top seven is going to go and you know there's just no perm like there's just really no permutation that suggests the hawks aren't going to get a chance on one of those three wings to, that we've been discussing and again that really comes down to those three wings not being as sexy as you want them to be and that's why there's one of those is probably going to be there at eight yeah i mean um, so i agree Colbert, with that but... i mean is probably not going to be there at eight but you know no. one of hunter or reddish is going to be there so it's if I'm a Hawks fan, like, I'm not sweating this draft at all. Uh, the Hawks are going to get who they – and even – the Hawks are going to get what, what they want. Uh, they they have draft capital to do whatever the, the heck they kind of want, except, you know, trade up to get Zion Williamson. So I'm not too concerned with how this draft plays out for them.
1: What do you think of Brandon Clark?
0: I like him at seventeen. Uh, I think he's going to be a good basketball player in the NBA. I wish he was bigger. I wish he had more skill. It's hard <laughs> to be a center. It's hard to be a center when you're six eight and you're two hundred pounds and you only have a six eight wingspan. Yeah, like people are like saying, "I'm sorry," like I got to push back so hard when like, "Oh, he's a, he's a great athlete. He tested so well in the combine." I'm like, listen to me. Most great <laughs> athletes don't test in the combine. But- Josh Smith didn't test in the combine. Brandon Clark is not Josh Smith athletically. He's not, and no, like it, it's just going to be it's no. it's hard when you're that size to be a center, and that's what his skill level is. Like we we can argue back and forth, like maybe the jumper will come, maybe he can do this, maybe he can do that, but you know he's going to be a guy who you play twenty twenty five minutes off the bench. Unless he can show that he can shoot, that he can put the ball on the floor, that he can make reads, which I think he can I think he he can get there to do all these things. The hard the hard part about it, is because he was super productive in college, the hard thing about it is that, you know, he's going to be twenty three um this in his rookie season and you know the upside, like There's only so much upside that's gonna be tapped from all that said, I think he's gonna be really good if he's there at seventeen. The Hawks will be lucky to have him. Uh, but I'd be I'd be hesitant to take them at ten.
1: Right
0: when they're just there's just guys younger who have more upside, uh, and who are just bigger. It's like if the Hawks want a big, like take either Gola or Jackson Hayes. Uh, they at ten and you know call it a day. But, um, you know, to me, I I wouldn't I wouldn't reach for Brandon Clark just because of his production level and what his uh, what his metrics would translate at the next level just due to the fact that I might have done it if he was bigger.
1: He's like also almost he's 23.
0: Like, yeah, yeah. Like I've said multiple times, like he's 23 years old and he has a skill level of a center. Like It's just it's it's very difficult to justify taking him so high in a lottery when You right. have higher ceiling guys like Nasir Little, like Goga, like Jackson Hayes, like Seiko Dumboya you know, all these guys who we can argue back and forth what their skill level or what their talent level is going to be at the next level, but it's like they're younger and just due to the fact that they're young, athletic, and talented, like, it's just, it's hard to justify taking somebody who you know is just, at the end of the day, going to be a very good role player. That you want, you, you ideally, you want to draft somebody who has the potential to be an all-star in the lottery. And yeah. it's, like I just don't see it with Clark. It doesn't mean he can't get there, it doesn't mean he can't be that player. Um but it's just difficult seeing how, how small he is because I mean when you're that when when you're just that small and you have the skill set of the center, you, you rely so much on your athleticism and when you're twenty three years old already, like he's only gonna have a couple years of being at that peak athletic, you know, that he has to be at. Right, um, yeah. You know, I want to bring Josh Smith up for a quick. Josh Smith, as was athleticism, declined when he was 23 years old.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, yeah. I, I need. I. It, that's just, like, that level, like, the level of athlete that Brandon Clark has to be is Josh Smith. And, you know, he's going to be Josh Smith's age when Josh Smith began to decline as a basketball player. And once Josh Smith's athleticism left him, he, he was kind of a shell of himself. So, it's just, you know, Clark, it's just hard to, Hard to justify taking him in the lottery. That said, you know if you can get him at seventeen, like mm-hmm. I said, you're guaranteed a rotation player and a and a good energy guy off the bench who's going to be a great defender, great switch guy, great help defender, um, get his hands on balls, be a real disruptive force on the defensive end, and then you'll get you know energy plays on offense. He'll finish around the rim. Uh, but you can't really play him more than twenty minutes just due to his size and his lack of length.
1: I would say that uh of all the stuff that we were able to see, and we didn't get to see that much, like you know all the three on three games and stuff like that, that all happened before the media would come in but I would say that you know the thing that we saw that was the most intense analysis or the most intense moment was just when Brandon Clark was, you know, doing his uh, shooting at the end of his workout. It just seemed like all the heads were were turned towards him and and Jalen McDaniels. And I have no idea what they were trying to figure out. But, you know, there's these workouts usually have six players. So they're usually when they do the shooting, they put two players at three different baskets. And when it was Brandon Clark and Jalen McDaniels, it just felt like every head in the room was watching Clark and McDaniel's, and McDaniel's—he just looks like an NBA player. Like you just look at him, and it's like, oh, he—he he, kind of looks a little bit like Jonathan Isaac when you watch him walk around.
0: hmm
1: And it's the damnedest thing because you know when he was doing his shooting, he looks like he has a, a classic textbook form. And for McDaniel's, he's like shooting these threes. And it's like, swish, swish, airball, swish, airball, swish. And it's like, I don't know what they would, what do you make of that? Like, I I don't know. It seemed like he was making a decent percentage of his shots. And then Brandon Clark was there. And you look at the faces around the room. Like, this is the one time I would say that the most people were in the gym too. You know, they had Larry Riley looking on and Rod Higgins looking on and uh, Derek Pierce, who's the the G League general manager looking on and it, 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 there were the there were more bodies watching that day than there were any other day I, I would if i just had to make a rough estimate of it but brandon clark man he's got a weird shot like his jump shot is just weird like it wasn't terrible like he was getting a lot of makes but it's kind of a low release and he kind of he kind of propels it forward by sticking his butt up in the air it it didn't it didn't look like a regular jump shot. I, I don't know, if you know, with, especially with the fact that he was doing that and getting a low release, it just kind of seems like a shot that he might have a little bit of trouble getting off at the NBA given his size and the size of the people that might be guarding him.
0: And the thing with Brandon Clark is he, you kind of don't want him shooting threes. Like, he's such a good finisher, right. you know.
1: But the that mean that's what the want, Hawks do you, though is like they don't play anybody who can't shoot threes. Like they, they, they're predicated exactly. on
0: having a five out system. Exactly. So you know it will be interesting. I I think Brandon Clark can, you know, hit at least corner threes. I think right. he can get there.
1: Yep. Oh I absolutely. I
0: mean honestly honestly ideally I wish I wish Brandon Clark could, you know, figure out what Damari Carroll did Demari Carroll did. Because Carroll was a was a four in college exclusively, and then he became a three in the NBA. So, like if Brandon Clark can, could you know just you know shoot well enough to where he can play you know the three, then we're talking about a different basketball player. Um, you know, we're talking about we're talking about a true you know defensive stopper who can you know guard one through five on defense, and then you know make open three pointers like. That's a different type of talent. So, you know stuff like if, like if I if I'm a GM and I'm, if I believe Clark can get there as a three point shooter and become a very good three, uh, you know a very good spot up three point shooter, I I could understand taking him that team because I I think then you have you know he's got positional flexibility based on his defense alone because he's he's out he's an incredible defender, and the Hawks do need better defensive talents, but right. You know, the offense is such a huge question mark. And, you know, when all his value is tied up in defense and really his value on defense is tied up to his athleticism at the moment, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, you know, it just makes you queasy taking him so high at 10. But, you know, if the Hawks do do that, I wouldn't hate it. Um, Because, again, you're guaranteeing yourself a good basketball player. But to me, I think there's, you know, higher upside guys. Like, really, I'm – I know you guys talked about Goga uh, on the previous pod, but like I'm, I'm kind of getting close to being all in on him. I think he's got, I think he's got the complete package. I find that it's one weakness being guarding out in space to be right. ridiculous. I think, I think that's not that's not a weakness for somebody who's that big, right? Uh, you know, and even so, we saw that. Listen, if Rick Lopez can do it, any big can do it. If they have the if they have decent enough athleticism, I think Goga has good feet. Uh, yeah, he's, re, he's really good. He's really good already as a protects. protector. I mean, yeah, absolutely. That that to me is it. It's like it's his defense that's really selling me. Because on offense, you know he's just good. Like he's just he knows how to play basketball and he's huge, and he has shown the ability to make three pointers. So, like to me, like Goa is kind of the complete package. If he's there at ten, I take him. I don't even think about it. Like So relative to, to like you.
1: Jackson Hayes, you'd rather have the, the three point shooter. Or uh, just yeah. that skill set. Like Jack- passing and the I, I shouldn't just narrow it down to three point shooting, but
0: Yeah, I think it's more the it's more m- of a just a offensive sure thing with Goga. 'Cause I I do I can't see a scenario where Jackson Hayes becomes a good three point shooter. Mm-hmm. Jackson I mean Jackson's such an interesting guy, you know, I was thinking about um you know, the big reason why John Collins fell to 19 in his draft was because he was such an unknown prospect out of high school. Like, nobody had saw him. He, he was basically – he was a relatively chubby guy in high school. He goes, he goes to Wake Forest. He's like a three, four-star – he's a four-star recruit, I think. Regardless, he goes to Wake Forest. He loses a bunch of weight. All of a sudden, his athleticism pops out the charts, and he dominates – he, he really dominates his sophomore year. But it's like nobody's gone to see him at Wake Forest. And so like how you know, I, I can't like teams are just scared of him because they were like, Oh, he's not that big, he's a center, all that good stuff when but just the raw talent just suggested that he should have been easily in the lottery. Um and I compare that with Jackson, who like mean, Jackson was a nothing prospect until his senior year when he had a growth spurt. He was a wide receiver. Like he was he was a football player. Then he went from being like 6'2 his sophomore year to being 6'7 in junior. Then he blew up to being 7' foot tall, you know, behemoth that he is now. And so, like, with Jackson, I mean, he's an incredible finisher. Uh, He's probably going to be one of the best finishers in the NBA the second he he steps onto the floor, uh, has great hands, and he does have some shooting touch. He he has a pretty good – he has a pretty good stroke from the free throw line, which suggests that maybe he can stretch that out through the corners. And really like with Jackson Hayes, it's just an upside play where it's like, Hey, maybe you're getting, maybe you can get out of Jackson Hayes, what the Memphis Grizzlies are hoping to get out of um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Not, you know, yeah, where that's it's a, fair a much more raw type of prospect, but you know, the same yeah. type of, like I feel like they're they're both more similar and people wanna give credit for it just because Jackson Hayes is more explosive while Jaron Jackson was more polished, better shooter and yeah. uh, you know, just had more just had more years playing basketball. But I, I, I think I think Jackson has a lot of talent. I'd like him at ten as well. Um I'd like Nazir Little at ten too. Uh, I think Nazir is super talented and you know, I don't want to rehash, like he's a big wing. Um <laughs> and, you know, wingspan size, like, he's got all the tools, it just comes down to his field, which isn't there, but I, I would just bet on Neff, but is playing up at the next level and roll the dice with him at 10 as well, so, like, I can see, like, those are my, if you want to ask who, who I'd be happy with at 10, those are probably the three guys I'd be happy with most. And really, to me, that's why I wouldn't trade that, I wouldn't I would avoid trading up okay. just because I feel like you can get, the, you can get one of, you can get, like I said, you can get one of the, the better wings at eight. You can get one of the three guys we talked about at 10. And then at 17, you can just take the best talent available. I mean, not, not like you're not doing that at eight or 10 either, but you know, 17, you just draft whoever's there at 17, regardless of position. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I really like those three guys that I discussed and I, you know, I'd be happy with any, any, any of those decisions.
1: Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up?
0: I think I'm tapped out of questions. Yeah, I'm tapped out of analysis. Um, <laughs> really like for the Hawks, like for Slank, whatever is the best value, I, I, so a guy who who does things based on, like, a value chart. Like, he will, he will trade down if he can get good value. He'll trade up if it's a good value play for his team in particular. Uh, he's not going to – like, I, I don't think he's somebody who's going to trade 8 and 10 to move up just to take cover because that's really who you do it for. Like, I, I just don't see that that nope. in his decision-making tree. Right. So – like to me, it's just going to be interesting how he how he plays the draft because he he's not going to want six guys, but at the same time, I could see him drafting you know three guys, four guys, or maybe even five guys. I mean, on who the fifth guy is, if if they can be stashed or whatever. So it's going to be a fun night. If you're a Hawks fan, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of movement probably. The Hawks are probably going to be trading trading up or trading down if they can get value on either side of that ledger. So that's. That's what I would expect to happen uh, from Schlank.
1: All right. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, we'll have to do something uh, after all this goes down.
0: All right. Appreciate it, Kevin.
1: <laughs> have a good one, Tyler. You too. All right, sir. I'll I'll put it up sometime late tonight, I think.
0: Thanks so much.
1: Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.